0: The Anatomy of Apostates is our title for today, based on Hebrews 6, 4 through 8. And last time, two weeks ago in the passage, we noticed that uh, apostates are not truly saved. They look saved, maybe they talk saved, maybe they are with the saved, but apostates themselves are not saved because the faith they have in Jesus Christ is a situational faith versus a saving faith. When it's convenient and advantageous for them to have a faith in Jesus Christ, they have it, but it's fleeting. It uh, passes with circumstances in and out. It is not a rock solid, absolute 100% faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and then for sanctification after a legitimate salvation. And we've used the metaphor that you can walk away from a wedding unmarried. That's what apostates do, they're in the wedding. They're standing before the congregation. They're uh, soon to be married to Jesus Christ in salvation, but they walk out of the chapel. They leave before they're actually wed to Christ. And apostates are ones that can walk away from a wedding unmarried. But you know, eventually, apostates, whoever they may be, will be seen for who they are and for what they are. That they are uh, professing salvation in Christ, but they are not possessing salvation in Christ. And you know, sometimes the magnitude of the apostasy that apostate carries out is staggering. I think of the true story of the missionary couple who packed their lives up in America to go to live in a country in the Middle East. They went to evangelize Muslims and to eventually plant a church made made up of the converts to Christ. It wasn't by any stretch an easy ministry But the Lord was seeing them through, and there were some open hearts they were finding for the gospel. And then, and then, the husband of this missionary couple announced to his wife that he had converted to Islam and that she should do so also. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? He turned out to be an apostate wearing the hat of an evangelical missionary. He came to the wedding, but he left it unmarried to Jesus. The last I heard, because her life was in extreme danger due to her unwillingness to become a Muslim, the wife separated from her husband, returned to America with her life in shambles. Sometimes the magnitude and the fallout from a person's apostasy is literally earth-shattering. Please go with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6 to begin with. Hebrews 6, 6, hear the word of God. And then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Let me back up and get the context with you on that. Verse 1. Therefore, leave the elementary teaching about the Christ, and let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we shall do, if God permits, for in the case of those who have once been enlightened, so now we're talking about apostates, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now, just to be clear, the apostates who first read the epistle to the Hebrews the apostates who walked away from the collection of converted Jews who first read the book of Hebrews, to be clear, those apostates walked away from the faith in Christ to error, to damning sin, and to Satan. And their walking back was walking back to a self-effort righteousness that expressed itself in the temple and the Animal sacrifices and the laws. And yet, in Romans three verses 19 and 20, it's made very clear what the purpose of the law is and what the purpose of the law is not. Hebrews 3:19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law that, that's a purpose. That. Every mouth may be closed. And all the world may become accountable to God. Verse 20. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. God's intent for his holy law, perfect law, was to diagnose a sin problem, it was not to solve any sin problem. Just like an MRI diagnosis, I have something going wrong in one of my organs inside my body, the MRI cannot fix that diseased organ, just point it out. The law of God points out the sin in all of our lives and therefore points us to the cross of Calvary and the finished work of Christ to be the remedy for our sin problems, whether we're Jewish or Gentile. And so the first readers of the book of Hebrews would have had the New Testament book of Romans in hand for about eight years by the time the epistle called Hebrews was written around roughly AD 66. Now, on this concept, the law of God cannot save anyone from sin, there are several more verses that I want to just mention the references for so that you can see that it's not just in this place in Hebrews 6 that says the law of God, although useful, cannot redeem, cannot forgive, cannot cure sin, estrangement from God. The law of God is given to the Jews in the Old Testament and given to us in the Old Testament as as, uh, church age readers. That law cannot remedy the sin problem we all have. One cannot be justified by keeping the law because none of us can keep the law. All of it. 100% 100% of the time, none of us can keep all of God's holy law. So as an MRI, it's not a surgery to fix a diseased inner organ. The verses I'd like you to jot down for your own study on the purpose of the law and its contrast to the saving work of God on the cross through Christ would be these. Jot these down for your future study, if you would. Galatians two twenty one, Galatians 3, verses 11 to 13. Galatians 3, verses 23 and 24. Galatians 4, verses 9 to 11. And Hebrews 10, verses 10 to 13. And so, what we're saying, therefore, is that the first reader apostates of the book of Hebrews were running back to a sinking ship. And we'll see from verses 6 and 8 in our passage for this morning, they went back to an eternally sinking ship. So again, to make the very important point, apostates being referenced here in Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, were falling away from something. And what they were falling away from was salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's what they were falling away from. They were exposed to it. They learned about it. They understood it, but they chose to walk away from it, to fall away from that grace through faith in Christ alone salvation provided. And as they walked away from it, these apostates who first read the epistle called Hebrews, they went back to Judaism, which they knew, to its rituals, And to his law. Now, what might have caused these apostates who first read the uh, book of Hebrews to fall back? What might have been the reasons they apostatized that they didn't accept the truth by full faith in Christ but walked away from something they were acquainted with to do something else that they once came out of? Why would that have happened? Well, I think a number of reasons the root cause that they walked away and apostatized was they never really were saved. They knew the language of the church, but they did not know the Lord of the church by faith. So the root reason they walked away, back to Judaism, was they were never really saved genuinely to begin with. But then after you get past that root cause of apostasy, there were probably some very, likely fruit causes. You do know that roots cause fruits. And so in this case, the root of their apostasy, the first readers of the epistle to Hebrews, was an unbelief, an unsaving faith in Christ. That was the root cause. Then the fruit causes of them walking away were the persecution they were facing for siding with Christ, even visually, an aversion to change from Judaism, fear, Family pressures, peer pressures, the familiarity of Judaism versus some things that were unfamiliar in biblical grace, salvation in Christ. Shunning by family members. Some of these were shunned, disassociated with by their own families who did not come to Christ. These are just some of the possible fruit causes for their apostasy. They lost their livelihoods. When they even visually associated with Jesus Christ, they lost their jobs. They were kicked out of their family businesses. There was great economic hardship. So, these may be some of the reasons why these apostates who first read the epistle called the Hebrews walked away from a grace salvation in Jesus Christ alone by faith to reversion to Judaism and all of its uh, parts. Now the irony is, the irony is that the Jewish temple that these apostates gravitated back towards was leveled to utter rubble and destruction only four years after the book of Hebrews was written. So only four years after God the Holy Spirit warned in the epistle of Hebrews, don't apostatize, those who went back to the Jewish temple in Jerusalem Without Christ as Savior, that temple was leveled by the Romans just four years after the book of Hebrews was written. Think of it. The very thing that the Jewish apostates fell back to was obliterated in the plan of God by Rome within 48 months of the first readers of Hebrews reading it. That destruction by the Roman army of the temple in Jerusalem was A.D. 70. The book of Hebrews was written in A.D. 66. You know, a lot happened in those 48 months for them, didn't it? A lot happens to us in 48 months as well. Can you remember what you were doing in 2016? That was just four years ago. Can you believe how fast whatever you were doing in 2016 becomes what you're doing in 2020? Just like that. And so it was to these apostates. They read a warning not to apostatize, and four years later, 48 months later, after they had apostatized, their temple was leveled in the plan and purpose of God by the Roman army. And do you know what? Ever since A.D. 70, when the Romans leveled the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, the Jewish persons have not had any temple for animal sacrifices, which their law prescribes, And that has been that the Jews have been without any physical temple for 1,950 long years, and they still do not have that temple today. There's something to notice in verse 6 that is very important. Speaking of apostates, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance Since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. This verse makes it very clear that the apostates back then and the apostates today, who actually fall away from the Christian faith, cannot come back to a place from which they have fallen. The verse says in part that I have just read, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. What a stern warning. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. And why is that? Why does God tell us that it's impossible for an apostate, having known the truth, to ever come back to the truth and have repentance about the truth and be saved? Why is that? Because historically, reverting to the law and its system of rituals and blood sacrifices put the apostate who fell back into that camp as being a camp of those who were glad that Jesus was done away with on the cross. And this particular camp of Christ haters saw Jesus Christ as a usurper to the law and therefore one who deserved to die. Of course, such a twisted and such a blasphemous perspective brought shame on the Lord Jesus Christ rather than worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verses 7 to 8 of our passage give us an illustration. Verses 7 to 8. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it also is tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Here's the illustration. Just like the same rain fell on two very different crops, namely edible vegetables versus inedible weeds, So the same gospel truth fell on two very different types of hearers who became two very different things, either saved children of God or apostate children of wrath. And just like weeds can't become vegetables, apostates can't become Christians. That is a stern warning. Let's read verses 4 through 8 to get the flow. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful for those for whose sake it also was tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Pastor John MacArthur in his youths Useful study Bible has a note on these verses that I would like to quote. The seriousness of this unfaithfulness is seen in the severe description of rejection within this verse. They re-crucify Christ and treat him contemptuously. Those who sinned against Christ in such a way had no hope of restoration or forgiveness. The reason is, that they had rejected him with full knowledge and conscious experience. With full revelation, they rejected the truth, concluding the opposite of the truth about Christ, and thus had no hope of being saved. They can never have more knowledge than they had when they rejected it. They have concluded that Jesus should have been crucified and they stand with his enemies. End of quote. Each apostate fully understood the concept of marriage, but each jilted their fiancé and walked away unmarried actually scorning the one each was to marry. You can walk away from a wedding unmarried. Now, it is interesting to me, as far as I know, Christian groups which believe that these verses we're studying pertain to Christians and not to apostates, believe that sinning Christians can lose their salvation. But those groups of Christians don't teach that if Christians do lose their salvation, that it's impossible for them to get it back. That's interesting. But please don't lose track of what we're saying. Please don't lose track of this. These verses, Hebrews 6, 4 through 8, These verses warn apostates who have never been saved, not Christians who have been saved. Verse 6, once more, and then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Praise God, now and for all eternity, that it is impossible to lose one's salvation. The same grace that saves us is the exact same grace that secures us in God's salvation in Christ. Security in God's salvation, please hear me, is not dependent on our grip on Jesus but rather security in our salvation is totally based on Jesus' grip on us. Hallelujah. What a savior, what a salvation, and what a grip by Christ. And you know, we should face it. (laughs) We should face it. If it could be that any of us could lose salvation, then we all would, wouldn't we? (laughs) We fall short of righteousness so often We fall into sin and trespass so often as converted believers. But God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is inexhaustible. And so if we could lose our salvation, which we can't. If we could lose our salvation, we all would. But praise God, we can't. I want to give you some scriptures that assure us that once we are genuinely saved, we are eternally saved. Uh, verses to do with what we call eternal security, or the perseverance of the saints, or the preservation of the saints, these wonderful doctrines, uh, synonyms. I want to encourage you, please, study these verses. If you have another believer living under your roof, study them with that believer, maybe your husband, or your wife, or your son, or your daughter, your grandchild, your grandma, your grandpa. Study these verses, believers, To show us that once you are saved by Jesus Christ, you are securely saved, you are eternally saved, you are kept saved until you see Jesus Christ and enter heaven. Here are the verses that are so edifying and assuring in the topic of eternal security. Please jot them down, as I've said John 5, 24, Jude 24, and 25, John 10, 28 and 29. John 17, 11 to 24. Hebrews 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. These are just some of the New Testament Bible verses that assure us that the one who saves us by grace is the one who will keep us safely saved by that same grace. We can't lose our salvation. Another angle to study all this on is you can look at some case studies, some Bible characters, to see that although they blew it, they failed God, nonetheless, there is no scriptural record of losing salvation for these Quite the contrary, they were forgiven, they were restored, and they were used to God's glory, although they were flawed and weak and failed God in certain instances in their lives. Consider Lot, 2 Peter 2, 7 and 8, or Noah, or Abraham, or Peter, or doubting Thomas, or the whole original church at uh, Corinth, what a messed up church that was in sin. But he calls them brethren. Or the man who repented of incest who was in that Corinthian church. You read about him in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 5 to 11. The whole point of all these verses is that you know from Scripture that if you are saved and resting in the finished work of Christ for you, your security in God's salvation and his family is sure. And the warnings of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8, were not given to the first readers of the epistle to the Hebrews who were genuinely born again. They were given instead to the first readers of the epistle called Hebrews to the apostates who never were saved and who reverted back to Judaism as the pressure was turned up. Similarly, Hebrews 6, 4 through 8 is a stern and serious warning to us in the 21st century, but not to rank and file ordinary, precious believers in Jesus Christ like we are, but a warning instead in the 21st century to readers of the Scriptures who are apostates, who have sat amongst us, worshipped with us, come right to the edge of being married to Jesus Christ figuratively, but have never crossed that line of unbelief in Jesus to belief in Jesus. And then, eventually, those apostates, and this is a shuddering statement I'm about to make in light of what the Scripture says about them falling away and leaving the church. Eventually, they will leave the church, and have no possibility of being saved by Jesus Christ after so doing. Why? Why would God in his grace and mercy give us such detailed descriptions about apostates and give us such clear Serious warnings about apostates. Logically, I think there's at least three reasons. Number one, so we won't be one, so none of us would be an apostate. Number two, so we can spot one, so none of us will be fooled by the acting performance of an actor or an actress who's playing a part as a Christian but is not truly saved. God gives us these warnings about apostates so that we can spot one and share the gospel and plead for their souls in prayer before the throne of grace, before they walk out from amongst us and lose opportunity to repent and trust Christ later. Number three, so we will not be fooled by one. Apostates can sound pretty good. They can seemingly know their Bibles. They can come across with confidence in the things of the faith. But they're not saved. They know what it means to be saved. They fully understand that. But consciously, they have gone like this to the offer for their own reasons. When that is the case, we who know Jesus Christ by saving faith need to understand, don't be fooled by that man. Don't be influenced by that woman. They're an apostate. And so, to carry the metaphor through that I've used in this sermon and the one previous, you can walk away from a wedding unmarried, but these verses add to that statement. But when you do so, you will never get married. Hebrews 6, 4 through 8. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, And have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it also tilled receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed and it ends up being burned. May we hear the word of God today. And may we change our evaluations, our choices, our priorities, our disciplines accordingly. Let us pray. Lord, after such a serious warning, we are grateful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us who truly know Christ as Savior. And as it says in 1 John 2, verse 19 of apostates. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. Lord, we pray for any apostates who may be in our assembly or the assemblies of those viewers online. We pray that they would repent and turn to Christ in genuine, sincere faith for salvation before they physically walk out of the assemblies that they are now a part of. Lord, you've told us they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been really of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. Lord, thank you that by your grace, not based on any merit on any of our parts, but purely based on grace, you have anointed us who know Christ as Savior with The Holy Spirit. And one of his beautiful ministries is to help us all to know truth from error, fakers from the forgiven. Lord, may the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the strength of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the discernment of the Holy Spirit guide and direct us as we face the concept of apostasy. For we ask this in the name of the one who has loved us, shed his blood for us, risen from the dead on our behalf, intercedes for us at the Father's right hand, and is coming again to gather us out as his betrothed bride, the church. We pray this in Jesus Christ's precious name together, amen.